Due to the graphic nature of this program, discretion is advised. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Safe Space Radio, also known as Art Star Scene Radio. I'm Francis Hall, also known as Face Boy. I'm Lucas Tiamare. With us in the studio. Hi, I'm Dylan Mars Greenberg. We're so glad to have you here. Yeah, we're really excited. Thank you. And, uh, and thanks for promoting that you're going to premiere a new song tonight. Yes. Yeah, tonight there will be a new song from my upcoming EP, uh, Bad World, uh, which is coming out May 8th on my birthday. And also on my birthday will be the launch party, which I'm actually announcing here for the first time just now, um, is going to be happening at Gold Sounds with uh, my my band Theophobia is going to play first and then Neva Insidious. And then uh, the big headliner is going to be uh, all new material from my EP Bad World at Gold Sounds. I had a great time watching you perform the other night. That was awesome. Thank you. That was actually, you heard a lot of that material. Yeah, you did a great time. job. Thank you. Uh, Dylan is mm-hmm. one of the stars of Shakespeare's Shitstorm, which we talked about last week and the week before, I think. Uh, this is the latest release from Troma. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Glad you liked it. And I uh, want to start out by asking, how did you get involved with Troma? And mm-hmm. what were your various jobs there? I, um, well, I started as an observer volunteer, which is kind of like an intern, um, but for legal reasons, it's not an intern. Um, (laughs) and, um, I, I did like small little tasks. They're actually one of the coolest things I got to do is they would actually give the observer volunteers movies to watch, um, and uh, you could you actually would be the first ones to recommend them. I mean, you weren't the ones who decided if they got distri- distributed, but you could recommend them or say, you know, you know, because if you watched a movie and you were like, this is no good, then you could tell them that and then it probably wouldn't go past your level. But if there was a movie that you really liked, you could recommend, you know, it be screened by some other staff members. And then eventually Lloyd, and then that would be decided if the film would be distributed by them. And I think I like my first day, uh, I got I watched this movie called I, I think it was originally called The Miracle of Life, and then Troma ended up changing the title to The Thingy: Confessions of a Teenage Placenta. <laughs> the movie is better, and the movie is about a woman who gives birth to a stillborn child and a placenta, and the placenta can talk. So she discards the baby and then raises the placenta like a child. <laughs> and I think it's from Germany or <laughs> Belgium or something. But it's it's really well done. Like it's a beautifully shot, very dark, weird, a uh, very authentically weird movie. Um and I'm pretty sure that was my first day. And you know, obviously there were things to do there, like, you know, sweep, do inventory, you know, get get coffee, et cetera. But you also got to do things that, you know, being a a normal intern would not get to normally do, like literally watch these crazy movies and decide if, you know, they should move on to other people there. And that ended up getting distributed and now has kind of a cult following of its own. Awesome. Yeah. So you played a hand in that. Yeah, really cool. it was cool. I, I, I feel responsible for their two movies that I really like that are distributed by Troma that, one of them, I ended up getting them to distribute once I worked there, which uh, 
someone actually showed me the, this movie on Vimeo. It had no distribution. Um, these people just put the movie out there on Vimeo. And it, I, I don't think it had been seen very much, but it's a great movie called Slimed that is so funny. It's like an hour long. It's very concise, uh, much like Satan Hold My Hand, where it's it's kind of just like it's tight. There's lots of jokes. It's not very long. There's no drag time. And it is just like extremely good production value, first of all. And then also just like really funny and uh, like just off the wall, ridiculous humor, like laugh out loud, funny, good, you know, effects, you know, some some horror stuff, some gore. There's a mouse puppet. That's the arch villain of the film that kind of looks like a Muppet. Um, but he <laughs> keeps asserting that he's human. Like he keeps saying, I'm a human scientist. Not like he was turned into a mouse. Like he keeps like it asserting. It's a puppet, but he I keeps, love puppets. Me too. <laughs> but he keeps asserting throughout the film, like I'm a human scientist, and no one questions it. Um, and that film also got distributed by them. But anyway, that was my first. Uh, that I I went from observer volunteer to a full time employee. Um, I also got actually when I was still in high school, I got Lloyd to uh, cameo in my second feature film, Wakers. Um, and that was maybe a few months before I became an Observer volunteer. Then I ended up becoming one of their editors. I handled a lot of their internet content. I ended up directing and editing a lot of their internet content um, for the YouTube channel. And then also they have a video-on-demand streaming service now called Troma Now, which has a lot of movies. And unlike most other streaming services, they don't take things off. They just add things which I think is, is, is very awesome. cool because most streaming services now it's like there's more things being taken off than, than being added. Totally. Um, so yeah. you can hold my hand for those unfamiliar is a film from art star scene studios as yes. studios uh, founded by Reverend Jen and her partner at the time. And uh, I have, I play Satan in Satan Hold yes. My Hand, but my Satan is kind of acts sort of like a 16 year old girl. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Not scary at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, but um, yes, then I went there. I ended up actually leaving Troma um, in 2017. And now I direct music videos, uh, basically full time, direct and edit and shoot music videos, sometimes commercials, uh, freelance. Um, but, you know, there was a casting call and they encouraged me to audition for the film, but I still had to audition. And I think there were like 10 callbacks or something wow. I went to. And I, I really didn't know if I was going to get it until the very last one, because even if it's someone that Lloyd knows, he wants to make, including himself, he wants to make sure that there is, you know, the best person for the role. Yeah. He doesn't want to just do it because you're friends with him. Right. Exactly. Like, I think he even auditioned other people to play the characters he ended up playing just to see even though he probably intended to, but he just wanted to see if there was someone, you know, who he felt was better than him, was better than him, right? Or could do a better Lloyd than than Lloyd. Then, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, tell us about your character in Shakespeare's Shitstorm, and yeah, so my character is Trini, um, and she, they. It's never really clear since those are also both of my. Pronouns. I don't think they ever actually used pronouns towards Trini, which is interesting. Um, 
That's what uh, people do to me in general in my yeah, life. Same. <laughs> they just avoid it. They're like, uh, um, okay. Same. I, <laughs> I, I completely understand. Um, th- he is a, I, I'm not, he isn't an activist. What I call her, he's a corporate pawn who poses as an activist to basically, he uses social justice vernacular to propel this pharmaceutical conglomerate into this massive, you know, multi-billion dollar empire and essentially, you know, creates this very insidious environment where opposing this, you know, massive conglomerate makes 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 everyone else problematic. Um and I feel like he um yeah that's that's kind of her and then she ends up sort of uh he's also the equivalent of Trinculo in The Tempest. The film is an adaptation of Temp of The Tempest. So in The Tempest, uh Trinculo is the king's jester. So in this film I am kind of the jester in that I'm I'm sort of uh first of all I'm I mean I guess everyone in the film is a comic relief but I'm I definitely exist as kind of a, a patsy, so to speak. Like I, I take a lot of pratfalls and hits and, you know, a lot of the worst physical stuff tends to happen to my character un- until the very end. Um, and almost yeah. all the movie covered in, in, in will. Yes. I, yeah. yes, I get, <laughs> I, I get, I get completely, and this isn't really a spoiler cause you see it happen in the trailer, but I get shit on multiple times by a whale <laughs> Um, uh, on the boat in the shitstorm instead of a normal tempest like in Shakespeare's The Tempest it's a shitstorm because it's trauma um, and um, yeah and then I end up basically causing all of this chaos I pull I kind of force uh, Caliban who of course you know from The Tempest in this film played by a female uh, actress, actually the very talented Monique Dupree, who's also... Oh, she's wonderful. He's incredible. She's also oh. a wrestler from House of Hardcore, which is a great wrestling promotion. Um, gorgeous. Yes, and she's she's gorgeous. And um, I also am kind of part of a duo, uh, the other being Zoe Geltman, who plays Steph. So it's Steph and Trini. But yeah, we end up pulling Caliban into this total ridiculous media frenzy. And um, all of these news cameras come and they're you know we end up you know just bringing all of this ridiculous media attention for you know minute things that we start to blow up and make bigger and bigger and bigger issues and of course we don't actually care about Caliban at all we care about attention and getting the media to pay attention to us and that ultimately is what it becomes in its own right a shitstorm of its own I love how oversensitive your characters are and yeah. how you just blow up over like anything. Yeah. And when, when the N word was used, I was like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the point is that we, we hear Monique's character who is black, say the N word and we freak out because, because we heard it. <laughs> and as and as white people, we don't even want to hear the N word. So we act, you know, we go out of our minds with this performative, you know, faux activism that obviously doesn't materially help anyone. And I do think there are parallels to that in yeah. real life. I consider myself a leftist. Um, I, 
you know, I, I completely, obviously, you know, the word, the word social justice is the phrase social justice is very loaded, but I would say I support social justice when it actually materially helps the marginalized, yeah. not when it is about, you know, a bunch of wealthy college educated white people getting, um, up in arms about nothing, get, right. Getting <laughs> up in arms about nothing. And also, you know, essentially, um, pushing, you know, having having ulterior motives having the motives of profit having the motives of you know they're being they're actually being paid by a much larger conglomerate to make their image seem softer and more youthful but it's you know a sham and i do think that there are you know there are obviously it's extremely exaggerated and there you know i i wouldn't say look at shitstorm as a documentary or or even necessarily you know take everything shitstorm says as gospel but i do think that there are some truths to the film oh yeah. absolutely absolutely Abs- <laughs> absolutely i think that it, it uh it it very very much shows just so much evil in the pharmaceutical yes, industry exactly and it also shows that uh that there's a little bit of it, that that the social justice people do sometimes go way too far, way too far. Right. I mean, again, <laughs> I I I'd like to say I think that there's a difference between social, like actual social justice, and then using social justice vernacular to justify, you know, just absolutely horrendous actions. And I've seen it happen before. And to be hateful, like right, to, exactly. To, to, like we, you don't solve hate with hate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I was in a in a film called Remedy mm-hmm. uh, that was about about um, the professional dominatrixes and submissives in the nineties mm-hmm. in New York City. Yeah. The person who wrote and directed the film did work in that field in the nineties, knew what she was talking about. Remedy by Cheyenne Picardo. It is available on Amazon. And, mm-hmm. uh, and she worked in the social justice field. No, she worked as a as a submissive, as a professional oh, okay. submissive oh, in, in a in a dungeon in New York City, yeah. and the depictions of the dungeon, everything is is very on, and uh, and there's one person because you can comment on on Prime. Somebody, some social justice warrior commented on. Yeah, they were like, they were like. <laughs> This 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 never would have happened that way. Uh, there's no way that this that nit, nit, and, and was sorry. Was this a narrative film or a documentary? It was a narrative. film. Oh, it's a narrative film. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But it, you actually, it was. But most of the people in it were actual sex workers. Right? Were actual sex workers, and he, and somebody's commenting nowadays. The writer that, and the director yes. was a sex worker. Okay, so then yeah, I mean it's 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 and, pretty ridiculous. And the things that this woman was talking about, it's it's like basically she was she was saying. I would like to talk to this film's manager. Can I talk right. to this film's manager? No, I demand to talk to this right. film's and manager. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> and I definitely think it's it, people freak out, you know, especially online. But I've seen it happen in real life where even when it's it actually is someone who's part of a marginalized group telling their experiences when those experiences don't align with their own, they freak out. They freak and out. And also, it's a movie, okay? Right, it ends And I think with sex work, it happens a lot. Like, as as a sex worker, like, I think yeah. sometimes people, like, try to help, and they're not helping. 
Of course. You know what I mean? You're like, you're like, this is just, you're not helping. Mm-hmm. You're, thank you for your social justice. Like, thank you for trying to, like, I do want more people involved in that movement, but it's just sometimes people are not helpful in trying to defend us. There's no way in real life Iron Man could fly like that. Right. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> it's a movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think that there are more challenges in playing a character that is similar to you or or does it not make a difference for um, you as an actor? I would say that... Hmm, that's a good question. I, I mean, honestly, I feel like Trini was the first role I'd had since I was a kid where it was like I really had to like rehearse and memorize a script and really go all in on it. Um, I acted in some stuff as a little kid, and then I had smaller parts in, you know, Werewolf Bitches from Outer Space, which I actually started out not directing, and then by the end I ended up kind of finishing up as the director. But I do feel like this was the f- the first film I'd been in, yeah, since I was young, where I, you know, I, I did have to kind of try and immerse myself in the role. Um and yeah, I think that there's similarities between me and Trini, and there's obviously some pretty stark differences. Um, what did you do to like to to join yourself with her? I both tried to evoke other things that I. I mean, obviously, it's a comedy film, and it's and it's a complete and ridiculous satire. So on one hand, I love acting like a cartoon. I love really campy films. Um, I definitely tried to play up the camp aspect. I was also definitely kind of influenced by like Jim Carrey and sort of the rubber face, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, style of, of kind of like contorting your face and sort of exaggerating everything. Cause that's, I consider myself in everything I do. I'm a maximalist. Um, and I also say I went to the Lloyd Kaufman school of acting. So it's funny because <laughs> at one point Lloyd was telling me, I, I, you're overdoing it. You're, you know, you're going too crazy. And I'm like, well, you know, I learned, I learned it from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't, but, I can't imagine Lloyd saying too big. Yeah. <laughs> too big. <laughs> he said to me once, most of the time he, he, there was one time I think during one scene, I don't remember which scene, but I, I was like louder than everyone else. And I was like really like flailing my arms and Lloyd was like, you got to tone it down. And I was like, really? <laughs> It's almost a compliment at that point, yeah. though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say it's a combination of that, and then also, you know, what is Trini feeling? I'm not gonna, I'm not pretending like I'm, you know, using the fucking Strasberg method here. But you know, certainly, <laughs> I was, I was trying to, I was definitely trying to make the character feel both like a cartoon and like a person who you might have met before. Totally. I felt that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I know. I know this girl. It's an example. <laughs> what it is, it's a, it's a caricature. You know, it's a, it's a caricature of someone who you might have met at some point, but, you know, taken to a ridiculous extent that, of course, I, I don't I don't think most people I've met actually act like that. Yeah. Yeah, in Remedy, my scene is very short. It's under five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did put a lot into it. The character is, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a sad person, really. Mm-hmm. He, he, uh, he's in a, in a marriage. His wife doesn't love him and doesn't listen to him. Mm-hmm. And he hires, this, uh, he hires this 
dominatrix just to listen to his fantasies. I see. And like that's what that's most of what I did as a sex work, as, as like a stripper specifically. Mm-hmm. I like didn't really do a lot of dancing. I did a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I called it naked therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I def- I definitely feel like that is probably what a lot of guys want out of sex work. Yeah, they really mm-hmm. want somebody to like connect with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, it was. I, I like the character a lot because, um, because. People, as soon as I describe them, anybody who's done any kind of sex work is like, I know that person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something endearing to it, too, because not every, there's not, not everybody's meant to go to a therapist. And some people need to find alternative sources for therapy. And especially sure. with men, you know, there's such a, like, we, we're, we teach men to have like this suck it up mentality yes, to them absolutely yeah. and there is and there and, he, and there and it is very a very funny scene also mm-hmm. when he starts describing like all the different women that he he, he he wants to to buy an island and rule it with the with the dominatrix <laughs> and he wants to populate it with all these beautiful women from different ethnicities and like he's like and i and i want a woman with a with a with a with a perfectly Peachy butt, and uh, and I, and I want a and I want a woman that's 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 kind of greasy, but not too greasy, and I want a greasy woman. I like that. Have you seen the Greasy Strangler? By the way, I have not. It's really funny. I have. Have you, Lucas? But no, I haven't seen I, it. I, I Very have funny a, movie. I have an idea for a movie. Very greasy film. I have an idea, <laughs> I have an idea mm-hmm. for a movie. It's called The Greater Bader, mm-hmm. and it's a guy. It's a horror comedy where a guy kills people with a cheese grater and mm-hmm. then he masturbates. That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's all I have. <laughs> well, maybe expand on that, but I think it's a good idea. Well, then uh, uh, maybe you know you're you're who I want to work with. Thank you. And so <laughs> if I if I get a script together, maybe mm-hmm. consider directing, helping it come to life. Because yeah. I knew you would like you, right away, like the cheese grater. Well, yeah, it's funny. It's it's funny. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the driller killer, you know. True. Kills yeah. people Which with, actually with, might be the only able for our movie I've currently seen. Weirdly enough, I actually haven't seen Bad Lieutenant yet. I'd like to. I would. I can see you as checking out Driller Killer yeah. before Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, I. I think I watched. I was making a film called The Bathtub, and I think while we were doing some of the animation, we like had it on, and I was pretty transfixed. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned werewolf bitches from outer space. Yeah. This beautiful picture of you mm-hmm. and Nick Zed, and yeah. it's just rest it, in peace. It's, it's yeah. We lost him recently. Reverend Jen was on the show. We talked a lot about Nick and, and about working with him and uh and and his films, and um. So I read that he was a very much an early inspiration to you, and War yes, is menstrual. Uh, definitely is is a film that. So how did you? How old were you when you? when you learned about Nick and, and how did that happen? I think I was 13 and there's a show that I really liked to watch called the cinema snob, who is this guy on the internet who kind of like cracks jokes, very dry jokes about um, like, like weird genre and art films, uh, usually very low budget. Um, and I loved that show as a kid because it, was like a an entryway into finding out about all of these weird movies that I had never heard of. Um and one of those movies was Geek Maggot Bingo, um, that he he did a review of. 
and I was just completely entranced by the clips that I, you know, saw of it. And then I, I guess somehow I was able to get a hold of a DVD of it or something. And I think maybe I rented it from Kim's video or something. Um, okay. But I was able to watch it somehow. And um, I I really liked it a lot. I it just I had not really seen anything like it. And I was like, I kind of want to make movies that look like this. I love the cardboard sets. It feels like I'm inside of this person's vision for the film. How old were you when you started making films? I I mean, you know, it depends on how you qualify as a film, but I would say, you know, I picked up a VHS camera that my mom had won in a teacher's raffle and just started fucking around when I was like five. I think wow. I tried to make like a sort of, I think I, I tried I, I tried to make like sort of a remake of Freaky Friday <laughs> when, I was, when I was like six that I like shot just like, you know, in my bedroom. And I think it was like my dad and me switched places. Oh, um, that's so cute. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I think just I, I never like did not have some sort of like I was always trying to edit and make videos and, and do stuff. Um I f- kind of vaguely figured out how to make videos on on digital. Eventually, I, my mom. I figured out my mom had a digital camera, and you could, you know, turn it to a certain setting, and it would take like maybe thirty seconds a minute of video. And then I, you could actually import those into the computer. I didn't. I didn't know that at first, and then I started actually editing things um, on Windows Movie Maker, which. I, I actually think weirdly is kind of similar to Final Cut Pro and kind of taught me how to edit professionally because eventually my dad actually, I think he's, my dad used to work for Fox News and he actually, when he left, I think he took a software installer of Final Cut Pro with him because he was just like, fuck it. I don't care. (laughs) Fuck Fox News. They won't need this. They won't notice it's gone. Um, and that was a great gift because I was able to install that onto my That's computer awesome. and yeah, I was able to, you know, that was an editing, that was the same editing system I ended up using when I worked for Troma for years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then my first, um, feature film, I made this kind of video art, like 70 minute project, super inspired by Nick, uh, called Glamorous. Um, I was also, I also really liked Harmony Corinne and I got I actually convinced um, the star of the movie Gummo, Jacob Reynolds, to make a cameo via webcam in the film. Um, and then from there, I kind of every movie I made after that, I kind of tried to make a little more coherent, I guess. So I made a film after called Wakers that was kind of like I tried to have a loose narrative but I also really liked, you know, really abstract stuff like, like you know, Nick. I, I, I mean, some of, some of Nick's stuff is narrative, but a lot of it, you know, is very, um, very abstract. Um, and also, I really like Ryan Tree Carton, who I don't know if you guys know about, but is is a very cool um, sort of. Uh, I, I would almost call him the the uh, millennial John Waters. Like he sort of like John Waters, but with all of this technology and internet lingo and and kind of he like early john you know early early john waters but then it's like you know all shot on digital video and bathed in these kind of weird lo-fi computer graphics 
and they're actually extremely quotable films, but you know, the average person would watch them and be like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I can't discern a plot from this. Um, so I, I was kind of coming from that camp, but then also I love genre films and exploitation films and kind of trying to combine those. And then I made a movie called Dark Prism when I was 18. And that I feel like was my first sort of moment where people started to notice me as a filmmaker because the movie got covered by uh like vice and av club and a few and like flavor wire actually compared me to ryan's Carton and a few other um uh you know big indie publications started to notice it um and so yeah that was kind of the you know and it was still a very rough around the edges film but i think that was my first time that i was able to i feel like effectively tell a story through video and in a feature length format i i I tried to tell a story that started and ended in the same place like i wanted it to all kind of i wanted to tell a story in a circle instead of in a line um and yeah since then i've made i've released three feature films including werewolf bitches which i co-directed i did not fully direct and I have a seventh that is in sound mix now. It's almost done. Um, and it's called Spirit Riser. And that'll be my next big uh, feature that I actually directed. Awesome. Uh, yeah, getting back to working with... So you, 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 you are a fan of Nick when you're 13. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you have the opportunity to, to work with him. Yeah, when I was, now, I think, picture, 17. It, it really looks like he's, he's uh, showing you the ropes. Can you, yeah. can you tell me a little bit of, about what, what was going on there? Well, he, I was the director of photography, cinematographer. I mean, director of photography sounds so professional. It was me and I was 17 and I was holding a camera. I was making, you know, guerrilla short films with my friends. So that's, that was my experience, which, uh, you know, I definitely think translated to Nick's directing style. But yeah, I mean, it was it was really I think that was definitely my first time being directed, you know, by an experienced director and being told what to shoot and how to shoot it. Um, you know, uh, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, a great experience. And yeah, I mean, he was telling me, you know, get it from this angle, do this. Uh, I guess Nick was not really a camera operator himself, so he usually no, you know, which is not not so much. No, which is I guess that's and that's you know most directors are they direct. You know, I I'm more of a I, I I try and do everything I possibly can. I also love having my hands on a camera. I like being very very hands on. Um, but you know, Nick is very he very much a, more, he was more of an you know even though his films were obviously very out there, he was kind of like an old school director of. You know, there's a camera person to hold the camera. There's, you know, there's a crew, even a small crew, but they do those things. And the director is the person who just directs. That's how they're making their art. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was an immense privilege working with a director who I was a huge fan of and was a big inspiration to me. Um, but yeah, in that picture, I, I don't remember if that picture actually was posed or if that was really happening in that moment but he was you know very much he was directing the actors and he was directing me as to where to move the camera i have to read some copy uh but Mm -hmm. uh when we're done with that i'm going to ask you uh, who you most would like to work with and why okay 
Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media, literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax-deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to donate in a way that costs nothing to you, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash Amazon and register RFB as your Amazon Smile Charity. Every time you shop, a portion of your purchase benefits Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, let me also say, if you if you're doing films and, and there's a role for someone like my age, <laughs> yes, you are who I want to work with right now. If awesome. you'd like to listen to RFB when you're not in front of your computer, please download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android. Available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. Slash newsletter. And hey, folks, Radio Free Brooklyn is proud to present four amazing bands at an outstanding local venue for an evening of rocking music. Join us on Friday, May 20th at 7.30 for a night with 7th Grade Girl Fight, Dirt Bikes, <laughs> Barrette, and Castle Black at none other than Ridgewood's own bar, Frida. 801 Seneca Ave. Tickets are $10 and can be purchased at the venue. So... Uh, who would you most want to work with and why? I would like to work with, so, okay, so I'm both a music video director and I'm a director. I mean, in terms of I make, I have made feature films and I will likely continue. Um, But in terms of music videos, I would really like to direct a music video for the band Sparks because they are my favorite band. Um, I don't know if you know about Sparks. If I, I honestly, I can't, really describe them other than they are a multi-genre band they've been around since 1970 they are two brothers um they have covered every genre from glam rock to new wave to like like electro like dance pop in the 90s to to um uh indie rock they did an they did an entire album with franz ferdinand um and they're they kind of just made a really big comeback. There's a documentary on Netflix about them called The Sparks Brothers, and they also uh, made a movie called Annette with Adam Driver, which uh, they wrote the film and they wrote all the music for it. Um, so they're just they're a really really cool prolific band. Um, I saw them live recently. It was like one of the best live shows I've ever been to. Um, so I would love to direct a music video for them. That would be a dream of mine. And then in terms of other directors I'd like to work with, I really would love to work with Guy Madden. Um, well, I don't know. Do you know who, who Guy Madden is? I don't. Okay. Um, Guy Madden, is, he's really big in Canada because in, he's Canadian. In America, I guess some people know about him, but he's not as well known. But he, uh, his films often look like they're shot on old film stock. They look like they're, they are like actually made in the 20s or 30s. And then... You know, I, I think watching one of his films, you honestly probably, unless you recognize any of the actors, you might not know that it's like a film from, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago at most. Um, and then, you know, but like his movies were, were from like 1988 and, and beyond. 
but they're really beautiful and surreal. And he has kind of, he works with Isabella Rossellini a lot and uh, Udo Kier, who are also two of my favorite. Those are the two people who I'd, I'd want to work with. I'd want to direct both of them. Um, and that actually answers the question about actors I'd want to work with. But yeah, Guy Madden is really cool. I, I would, I really hope I get to work with him somehow one day. And who are the favorite people that you have worked with? Favorite people I have worked with. Well, I got to direct Michael C. Hall in a music video for his band Princess Goes to the Butterfly Museum. That was pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, I got to direct uh, Kid Funkadelic from Parliament Funkadelic. Oh, wow. That was pretty cool. I did a music video that he was uh, featured in. Uh, like, he plays guitar in it. So I got to I got to shoot him, and then I kind of composited him into space. Oh, I got to work with James Chance from James Chance and the Contortions. Was a no wave legend. That was that was pretty tight. Um, Death Valley Girls, really cool punk band from L.A. Um, uh, and then I, let me let me think. I, I got to work with Schooly D. I who's a the inventor of gangster rap. Basically, he's credited Ice T and a lot of other people say this is the guy who invented gangster rap. He plays the president in my movie Reagitator. Um, in my new film, I got to work with a lot of people who I'd always wanted to work with. Michael Madsen narrates the film. I'm a big fan of his. Oh, awesome. um, Shuri Curry from The Runaways uh, is one of the stars. I got to work with her. That was awesome. Um, Patty Harrison, who is a really funny comedian. She's actually in a bunch of Hollywood movies now. And I, she was nice enough to work with me. Kate Bornstein. Who oh, is, I love Kate Bornstein. Yeah, she's, I she's, met her a few, few times. She's really awesome. Yeah, she's she had a, a big influence on my grow, growing up. Yeah, same. Uh, she's a she's a big she's awesome, and yeah, she's in my new movie. She plays God. Um, but yeah, honestly, Spirit Riser is just a collection of a, a lot of people who I always want. Oh, uh, Ari Lehman, who was the original Jason from Friday the Thirteenth. Um, I mean, so many. I can't even name. Oh, and Ryan Tricarden, who I just mentioned. I actually. He actually voices an animated character that's this weird hand with a face in my new movie. Um, but yeah, honestly, a lot of the people in my new feature film were people who I'd always wanted to work with. And I, I find, oh, and Trent, Trent Harris. I, 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 I have, I, there's a million people. Um, but yeah, I, some, some really awesome people I have gotten to work with. I'd like to point out for listeners that don't know, uh, and we do have listeners. And, and lastly, Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 have, yeah. we finally have listeners. We're, we're awesome. in the top 10. We've been in the that top rules. 10 for, for eight, eight months, months in a row. In a row. So <laughs> thank you, folks, for listening. Thank you. Um, so for those uh, uh, who don't know, Dylan is only, you're 24. Yeah, I'll be 25 next month at the, and you can celebrate my birthday at Gold Sounds at my show where I'm <laughs> unveiling my album. Theophobia, which we're going to play in about... We'll play. Well, wait. Are you playing minutes. the song I sent you? Yeah, that's not theophobia though. That's okay. that's my solo music. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll yeah. be playing that in about yeah. in about five minutes. Yeah, but yeah, I am also in a band called Theophobia. It's a little confusing, <laughs> but one is a band, kind of a duo with other rotating musicians. One is a solo. I'm putting it towards yeah. the end of the show, so people that are to be a dick build to build people, the anticipation. To people who, who yeah, are like tuning in just to hear it. There might be a few people who I'm who are tuning in just to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> and then um. 
No, it's not to be a yeah. dick. It's it's if it's to you know we wanted to make this episode all about you. And, Thank you. And if people are, are waiting to hear this song, then I'm sure they're 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 they going to, to hear from there you. There are two more help. people who I wanted to mention. I really loved working with very quick. Alan Merrill, who oh. you know, of course, rest in peace, oh, Alan. Alan. He was he's also he was in my movie Reagitator, and then he actually. Basic, he is one of the stars, bona fide stars of the movie Spirit Riser. He actually really put a lot of time in for that film, and unfortunately, he'll obviously never get to see it now. Something I'll regret. I actually had a rough cut I could have sent him, and I, I obviously, no one knew he was going to die so suddenly, so I had never gotten to send it to him. And of course, Lloyd. And there's actually a great scene him and Lloyd performed together in a scene, and I luckily got a, some nice behind the scene stuff of them too. And I, there's this great shot which at the time was just us goofing around but now i'll treasure it and it's him and lloyd pretending i died and it's like one of the pro we were in the trauma building and it's like this ridiculous like melted corpse prop <laughs> and they're going oh it's dylan dylan Dick melted and it's very <laughs> cute um but those are yeah two people i'm very glad i got to work with and i i treasure that a lot Alan used to visit me on Thompson Street, uh, apartment I had there, when he would have gigs in in the West Village. And, He's great, and we would. Was uh, great. I mean, is great in his own way. We all remember him. <laughs> he would play uh, a guitar that belonged to my father. Wow, an old old guild, which has a very rich sound just from mm -hmm. the age and how long, how many people, how many years it's been played for. Mm. for Actually, all of the early King Missile songs, my oh, brother's wow. band, they were all composed on that, on that guitar. guitar. Wow, that's um, so cool. And uh, and uh, and we would sing Beatles songs that's together. Awesome. And and it was just beautiful memories that I have uh, of of sharing that that time with them. That's awesome. Where can people find your music and films? I would say the best place is just to follow me at Dylan Mars Greenberg. Um, which I'm assuming if you're watching this episode, the spelling is there somewhere. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, just at Dylan Mars Greenberg, my band also is Theophobia. Just it's the word it, some people don't know how to spell it, but it's the word Theophobia at Instagram, but yeah, Instagram, I post every single thing I'm doing. There's links to every other thing. That's kind of the hub where you can find all my other stuff. All right, let's play this song. Wait, before we do, okay. sorry, I just no. want to say it's your it's your show today. Thank you so much. <laughs> right before I sorry, is it over at seven forty five? No, no, it's over at eight. Eight. Oh, okay, so we have time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Um, <laughs> I did just want to one more time. I'm plugging the fact that I'm playing Gold Sounds on May eighth. It's a the solo release party of Bad World, which you're about to hear a track from, and then also uh, May twenty eighth. Luckily, doesn't interfere with the Radio Free Brooklyn show. Um, at Coney Island, Music of Curiosities, Coney Island, I'm, I will also be doing a solo gig uh, promoting my album and opening for a really cool band called The God Bombs. So uh, if you can't make uh, one show, please at the come side to the show? other. Like at the sideshow? I believe at the sideshow or at Next. an annex of the sideshow. Okay, cool. Um, but yes, please do come to, uh, to that as well that's a that'll be that'll be really great if not for me then for some of the other faint luxtrous and the god bombs are two acts that are not to be missed pink velvet witch fest that's may 28th awesome you want to go francis i do good thank you <laughs>
This song is called This Son of My Own. Give me a minute. Here it comes. It's tech. This, it almost. Tech, tech is hard, friends. The son of my own With his hand on the mantle He never calls home Made from stardust and candles He lightens the quacks tail Turn my boat for a quick sail Love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was really wonderful. It's such a good dance piece. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's interesting that, because I definitely, this one, I was like, I don't know if, you know, it's a little bit more, it's a little less poppy than some of the other songs on the on the EP, but uh, I, I was very influenced by like Brian Eno and Brian Eno and John I Cale did that. this. Yeah, I, I, I was definitely kind of almost doing the Brian Eno voice. I feel like usually when I sing, I'm kind of imitating someone else's voice. Um, and it, uh, Brian Eno and, and John Cale have a really cool album together called Wrong Way Up that was a big influence on I'm pretty sure the name of the album is Wrong Way Up and it was a big influence on on this 
Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the process of creating this and, and this mm-hmm. latest album? So um, the majority of the songs I um, I composed most of the synth stuff myself um, on a laptop and some synthesizers and recorded my vocals in my bedroom. And then I um, actually sent all of the individual stems, like tracks, to a producer who goes by the name Computer Love. Um, I'm also doing some videos for currently that one is out now called Cleo. That's really cool. And um, they kind of, uh, he, Computer Love kind of like beefed it up. He, uh, you know, added, you know, more, made the bass, you know, more intense, you know, the percussion, you know, just kind of brought everything to where it sounded the best it could possibly be. Um, So um, it's almost like I kind of create sort of the basic bones and, and some of the muscles and then, you know, they kind of create the organs and, 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 and everything that really just makes, make, turns it from a project into an actual, you know, song, a nice. song that you hear on the radio, you know, or at least right now you're hearing it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I want to go back to Alan Merrill for a minute. Yeah, of course. Uh, just a regret that I have, a mm-hmm. regret that, that uh, I, ne- I never recorded the stuff that we were doing together. Mm. You know, there's. I always want. I I had also always wanted to. I was actually funny enough. One of the songs on this album is one that I actually had sent to Alan and talked about possibly recording it together. And Alan was into the idea, and then we ended up never doing it. Yeah, and this isn't wouldn't be for for anyone but me and my friends. Right. You know? It's not something that I thought about for for anybody else. It's just you know. Just to have two people who love Beatles music, an yeah. acoustic guitar, and that's it. And you can just listen to it whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's one thing. I, I'm glad that at least I got to do, you know, these two projects with Alan. You know, he was in. Well, I mean, Reagitator is more. I think he only had one or two shoot. He had two shooting days. This film was Spirit Riser is like was like, you know, multiple. You know, probably when you add all the days together, it was probably weeks of, of shooting over the course of years. So, and he was with me and my sister, who was one of the stars of the film, and he was like watching her grow up basically. And he, you know, gave her arrows, t shirts, and merch. And, you know, he was kind of, you know, he would come over to my parents' house and we'd shoot stuff at my parents' house. So that, I think we got to know each other a lot better actually on Spirit Riser. It's weird that it's not even done yet. Um, and yet he's no longer, you know, of this earth. It, it is definitely surreal watching that footage, but it makes me happy that I have those memories of him. And I actually have, even though most of it, you know, except for some behind the scenes stuff, obviously it's him playing sort of a character. It's still, I, I have, you know, those parts, you know, of the time that we shared recorded. Yeah, that's great. Oh man, we only have we have less than ten minutes yeah, left. Less than ten. Uh, what 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 are some of the differences between y- your solo work and Theophobia and similarities? Mm-hmm. Similarities. There are definitely a lot of similarities. I actually there is a slight concern that people might not be able to distinguish them that much. But um, Theophobia is a collaborative effort. 
it's 50% me, 50% Matt Allen, who is uh, the guitarist, writes some of the songs. Some of the songs I actually don't... There are some songs in Theophobia that I wrote solely, some songs that we've written together, and some songs that are just Matt wrote them. I did not write them. Um, so it is a fully collaborative effort that is 50% Matt, 50% me. We're also both the lead singers. There are some songs where literally we sing the entirety of the vocals start to finish together, or we take turns, um, or sometimes I do backup for Matt, sometimes Matt does backup for me. So that's that's a lot more of a collaborative effort, you know, versus uh, Dylan Mars, Dylan Mars Greenberg, you know, my solo stuff, that is, um, I would say that's, you know, obviously every any art usually is a collaborative effort. I mean, maybe unless you're like painting or something like that and it's just you in a studio, but you know, my solo stuff is a collaborative effort too, but ultimately it's, it's my material that's taking the lead and taking precedence. And which is why it's, it's my name. You know, I, I, Matt was not involved. I was working with, you know, a few producers besides computer love. I also got to work with Vanessa Silberman. And then there's also some remixes. There's a really cool one that's done by a great uh, West coast artist called male tears. Um, so those in, in itself are collaborations, but the through line is myself. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's my material solely everything I, I wrote 100%. So that I would say is, is the difference. Was it scary to write everything by yourself? Um, no, not really scary. It's more just, you know, these songs, I mean, it, it and it's only, it's only a five song EP within some, like, I think two remixes are going to be on it. Um, but, um, I mean, I had been doing solo stuff for years. Honestly, the first time I really exhibited my solo stuff was at the Anti-Slam, um, oh. which I, 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 I've I've written, like, I mean, the, the quality is debatable, but I've written, like, over five albums worth of solo material. I used to put out an album every few months when I was in high school. They weren't very well produced. I wasn't working with other producers. It was me. I didn't even have a mic. It was, like, my computer microphone and, and my laptop, but... um. I'm, you know, songwriting, I actually, and I don't mean to sound pompous, it's just, I, I, I'm fair, I, I feel like I'm fairly comfortable, at least with writing my own material. Um, you know, honestly, the part was, that was scary was then, you know, trusting another producer and, and other people to make it sound as good as it possibly could be. And, you know, hoping that they understand your vision, which I yeah. was very lucky in that everyone who I worked with did. Yeah, that's how I feel about writing. I get so mm-hmm. nervous when I when I turn something over to an editor, like when right. I was writing for The Villager or other other. It's it's like, don't fuck it up. You yeah, know? did don't you get to it see up. it before they would publish it? No. Oh, that's, oh wow. Yeah, that's that's weird. And it's your name on it, then. That's that's, that's freaky. Right. Mm-hmm. That is weird. Yeah. I I don't know that I would like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I actually had a journalism experience recently with a magazine who I will not name, but they kept giving me all of these edits. And it literally was like months. I actually got to interview some really cool people and I actually own the rights to the article now. So I'm going to try and release it somewhere else. But they just gave me edit after edit after edit. And then they just stopped responding to me. And uh, and this is a big magazine. They should not have been doing this. And then finally, I confronted them about it and they apologized. And and I mean, they said they were going to pay me for my time, which they never did. Um, And... uh, yeah, but they said I have the rights to put the article somewhere else now, which, thank God, because 
that was a kind of a I mean I, I'm glad I wrote the article because I'm going to publish it somewhere even if it's smaller but it's still I it kind of has discouraged me from ever doing journalism again yeah <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. Uh, we don't have a whole we have yeah le- less than left. five minutes yeah so I, I, what, what I'd like some folks to take from this mm-hmm. is you mentioned using the mic on your computer we've talked a lot about yeah. Nick Zed we've talked yes. a lot about uh, different Volunteering at trauma, like, volunteering yes. at trauma, and what what I would like aspiring artists to take away from this is that uh, if you think you can't do it, just find a way to do it. Absolutely, because there's always a way. Yeah, you know, Art Star Scene Studios. We didn't have a budget. Ever, no, no budget. You know, we just found a way to do it. You know, we would do a lot of things on the streets, and uh, and and it's it's a, it's a kind of filmmaking that. Uh, that that I really like and agreed. And if people come into it expecting Hollywood values, you're not going to enjoy the films that I have. That uh, most agreed, of the films yeah. that I've been in, with the exception of Remedy. Um, but uh, if you're going to come into it with the with the with the attitude of, hey, these people wanted to make this film and they made it happen. These agreed. people wanted to make this music and they made it happen. Right? Maybe I can too. I I agree. I mean, that's a big thing that I always say. At any panel I've ever been in involving film, usually, you know, trauma related is, you know, you're not going, you're most likely not going to be handed a bunch of money on a silver platter for your first project. And if you want to get into something, you know, if you have a camera and a laptop to edit on, you can make an entire feature film. You could make a feature film on a phone at this point. Tangerine. Well, but Tangerine actually had a budget. Um, they shot on a phone, but it was sort of a, I, it's a good movie, but they, they actually, it was a whole crew there. I'm saying you can make a film with just a camera and a few of your friends and a laptop and that's it. And, 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 you know, you know, nothing else. Um, yeah, my friend Carter, he, Carter Smith, he, um, mm-hmm. shoots on his iPhone and had yeah. a book and he, he's now a professor at a college and stuff. Right. And, you know, he, he just shoots on his iPhone. Right. So the the point is that especially now there's tools all around you to create the art uh, that you want to make. And I, I do I do try and encourage everyone to not, you know, not be afraid to, and, and just go out. Yeah. And do something. I guess Faceboy also kind of said what I just said, but said it a little <laughs> better. <laughs> well, coming up next on Radio Free Brooklyn is. Uh, the other Courtney Love. <laughs> On the show, The Circuit. I want to thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming, Dylan. This was really awesome. Thank you for having me. And it was informative. Thank you so much. It was just great. Thank you so much, Lucas. You're always great and amazing. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week with another live show. And please show yourself some love. And show some love to others. It's important, and you know that it is. Thank you. Son of my own